0: But do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have to give the prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardships that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in time, and we prophecy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I came a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection in a mirror then we shall see face to face now i know in part then i shall know fully as i am fully known and now these three remain faith hope and love but the greatest of these is love this is god's word you may be seated
1: we begin with prayer Father, at the end of of this day that we have dedicated as a day to come corporately together to worship you, the example of the early church, we pray that you will bless us in all of our commitments to to worship you and to study your word and to identify ourselves as uh, your church in this community, and and bless us as we endeavor to, to deepen our understanding of Your character in all the universe as You have expressed it and revealed it in the inspired sacred text we call the Bible. That You will help us to, to be changed by Your Spirit according to that Word and in compliance with its teaching in order to, to to become more like the Christ in all that we do. And we we pray, Father, that that this uh, especially be true in tonight as you know, as we think about what love is all about, we think and pray that this be especially true in the way that we relate to our spouses and the way that we relate to each other in this church family, uh, the way that we live as brothers and sisters together in a community of faith in this time, uh, in this day, in this place. So help us to have eyes that see and ears that hear, Father. And for the, the seriousness and the sober sidedness of our minds as we approach these texts and these thoughts, Father, to, to be led by by You in, in all that we study tonight and to turn toward You in all that we study tonight and to be changed. Father, we, we gratefully acknowledge our dependence upon You. We We gratefully, because of that grace, acknowledge that all that we are and all that we have comes from Your hand. And we are grateful that we can call You Father and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we have been advertising over the last uh, couple of months that we're starting uh, a class for married couples on Sunday afternoons beginning at 4.30 and going to, uh, right before our assembly, uh, called Fight Less, Love More. And it's it, it's part of a series of of classes and seminars that we have here at this church that are about deepening people the, the context is marriage but it's about deepening people it's about learning how to love it's learning how to be a disciple in relationship with other people Again the context is marriage but the but the teachings and the understandings that come out of that apply to all of our relationships in the body of Christ and one of the things that that is so Hurtful at times, I think, in this culture that we live in is that uh in in the in in the name of being wise and in the name of being sophisticated, we have come up with so many uh superficial definitions of love that in the end are not really about love but but really more about tolerance and intolerance. You know, if that's our definition of love, then we have an extremely shallow and superficial understanding of what true love is all about in terms of tolerance. And we'll talk about that a little bit more tonight. But that's what I want to talk about, is is the, the the rugged commitment that we have with one another in marriages and in relationship with each other in the church and in our, our fellowship and in our friendships with one another as disciples of Jesus. And again... Uh, uh, you know, and and I and I don't have to give examples. You you know that a lot of these these definitions are, are rather vague. Uh, they really don't tell us anything about what it means to be in relationship with another person. They're in in many ways they're they're, they're not just superficial and shallow. They're very un, they're they're very unhelpful, when it comes to learning how to live in a, a godly relationship with another person. So what I want to do is give you what I think is one of the best definitions of love that you will find in the Bible. And it's up here on the screen. Love is a rugged commitment to be with and to be for someone unto kingdom realities. I'll say that again. Love is a rugged commitment to be with and to be for someone unto kingdom realities. And what I want to do is I want to, the time that we have left, break down those, uh, those components of that definition and to expand them a little bit so that by the time we get to the end, we have a fuller understanding of what I'm describing in that definition. Now, here are the components of that definition. Number one, rugged commitment. I I think that rugged commitment goes a long way in helping us to understand the emotional energy and the physical energy, the intellectual energy that is to be expended as we try to live out the implications of God's Word in relationship with people in the church and especially in relationship to our spouses. And this is about the principle of covenant. It's about the principle of making vows to one another. Now, in the covenant, uh, uh, covenant in the Bible is really about the promises of God. It's about the vows that God has made. I'll talk about that a little bit more, but uh, in in terms of the details and and the nuts and bolts of of those covenants. But, you know, one of the things that that we just don't take very seriously in, in our culture anymore is our word that's given as a vow or in covenant to another person. It used to be that when we gave our word, that when we made a vow, that when we we made a promise, that we entered into some kind of a covenant, that that covenant was binding and it was something that, that reflected our reputation and reflected our future credibility in the community or in the fellowship, and somehow that has been lost. You know, it it would be good for us tonight to to go home and to read Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and what it is that God says through Solomon about vows. Don't allow your mouth to lead you into sin. That is in speaking rashly before God in the making of vows to God or to other people. If you make a vow, you fulfill it. That's the bottom line. Now, brokenness does come in relationships because we live in a fallen world. But that is really no excuse. That that should not be the easy way out of breaking a vow in our fellowship with one another or or in our relationships with one another through the the, the giving and taking, the making of vows before God and before witnesses in marriage. Ecclesiastes is, is, is point blank blunt about what it means to live together with agreements made by both parties as to how we're going to relate to one another. You, you know it, it's so popular in this world today to think that marriage is 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 is, is something. Is, is is something that's just relegated down to a piece of paper, and that you don't need that piece of paper to have a relationship, an abiding relationship, or a deep relationship with another individual. I would argue that to say that you're going to live together without making those vows of completeness to one another is to say that I love you, but up to a point. When you make those vows. When you make that covenant, when you make those promises, you are, you are going you know, just fully in and drilling down as deeply as you can into the concrete with that other person. And to say that we'll just live together, but we don't need a piece of paper is to say, I love you up to a point. That I, I, you know, what you have not said is that I will love you the whole way. That I will love you the complete distance. I would even argue to say that if you think that marriage is just relegated to a piece of paper, and that's your definition of marriage, that you have a very shallow view of marriage. But marriage requires that kind of commitment. The fellowship that we share with one another in the body of Christ requires commitment. That is what love requires, that kind of commitment. When when God is making this covenant to, to Abraham... One of the things that's so interesting in Genesis chapter 15, which I, I think is one of the high points not only of Genesis but of the entire Bible, is, is God is saying to Abraham is that I am going to be good on these promises forever and ever and ever. And what he does is to illustrate it by kind of a gruesome scene in which a bunch of different kinds of animals are taken by Abraham. They are cut and, and slaughtered and separated, and there's this torch representing God that goes down through the middle of that. And that represents God saying to Abraham, if the things that I have committed to you, that in this covenant I have promised to come true and vowed to you, that they're going to come, come, come true, do not come true, what happened to these animals is to happen to me. Now that is taking words that we speak to one another extremely seriously and significantly. When, when Jesus dies on the cross, it's not just an expression of love. When Jesus sheds His blood and allows His body to be tortured and, and, and to be uh, whipped, and he, he goes through the suffering and the mocking, He is not just expressing love. He is making a covenant through His blood that is shed with people who have faith in Him. That's what happens in Mark chapter 14 and Matthew 26 and Luke chapter 22. Jesus says, This blood is the blood of the new covenant that I am making with you. And, and the reason that there has to be this rugged commitment, I mean when we go into these relationships, understanding that it is a rugged, strenuous, at times uh, 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 exhaustive relationship is that when you make this kind of commitment to another person, whether it's in marriage or in fellowship in the church, you are making a relationship or a commitment in relationship to people that are unequal. That that it may not be, you know, it may be an area of politics. It may be in an area of of e- emotional maturity. It may be intellect. It may be disposition. It may be in the way that you sense things intuitively. But but partners do not always get along. And the reason is because they are unequal. Have you ever noticed that there are people who are angry uh, a lot of the time that are married with people that seem to be pretty laid back? And there are people that are sort of hyper, that marry people that are sort of you know uh, uh, chilled in their, in their disposition. There are people that are extremely intellectual and analytical in the way that they approach things, that end up in relationship with people that are kind of fly by the seat of their pants. God makes people in all kinds of different ways. And when you make that covenant, it has to be that rugged commitment because people in that commitment, that covenant, that vow, are unequal a lot of the time. They don't always get along. And that's why it's rugged a rugged commitment to each other. And so not only is it a rugged commitment, but it's also to be with. It's to be with. This is the principle of presence. Now, there are covenant formulas in the Old Testament. Uh, one that I'll read to you is Leviticus chapter 26, beginning in verse 9. It says, I will look on you with favor and make you fruitful and increase your numbers, and I will keep my covenant with you. I will keep my covenant with you. You will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have to move it out to make room for the new I will put my dwelling place among you, and I will not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. You know, whether it's in marriage or whether it's in fellowship of the church, or, or, uh, you know, you can think about the different kinds of relationships in which covenantal words are uh, exchanged and promises and vows are exchanged. You can see the importance of being able to say, I will be with you and you will be with me. Think about when, you know, when there's there's a tragedy that, that strikes inside of a church family. You know, when your mind is reeling in the pain and when there are, there, there's suffering and there's tragedy and there's a lot of unfairness and a lot of unjustness that you're dealing with in, in, in life. Is it not true that one of the ways that you make it through that tough time, through that dark valley, that valley of the shadow of death, where it seems like you're not going to get out of it alive, does it not make a, 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 a tremendous difference to go through it with people who have covenanted to be with you come, come high waters or low waters or storms or sunny days or whatever it might be? That in this covenant, that you, I will be with you and you will be with me. There's partnership and there is relationship and there's interaction with one another in such a way that that covenant is felt in very tangible physical ways now i think we get that i i'm not going to spend a whole lot of time there but it, it's really about the the thickness of presence and not a thin presence with one another it's what ed was reading in first corinthians 13 where he says i'm going to be patient with you and I, i'm going to protect you and i'm going to trust you and i'm going to hope for you and i'm always going to persevere with you but you can't do any of that unless you have decided to be in fellowship to be in contact and to be with now, it's not only that, but it's to be for. You know, a lot of times we do get the with together. I mean, we come together and we congregate in one building or we come home at the end of the night in marriage and family and we're under the same roof. But it's, you know, this kind of love that is described in the Bible is about being for someone. It's about being for someone in a certain kind of a way. It's the principle of advocacy. It's where God is saying, I will be your God. You'll be my people, but I'm going to be your God. When he says, I will be your God, that's another way of saying it in our, our modern culture uh, parlance, is to say, I've got your back. To be for us, in God's words, is, to, is for God to be our champion. It's, it's, it's to be for people in a certain kind of a way. That's why in in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 7, in this context of of strife and of struggle and of contention with the world, it's God who is with His people and for their victory. And He says, those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God and they will be My children. And then the last part of this, and, and, and... and probably just as important as the idea of the rugged commitment, is that it's unto kingdom realities. This is the principle of direction. You're with somebody, you're for somebody, unto kingdom realities. In our relationships, in the kinds of covenants that we make with each other in marriage, in the kind of bonds of fellowship and love that we are commanded to have through Scripture, in the fellowship of the church, we have a direction, and it is in the direction of God. As a family, husband and wife, we go towards God. As a family of brothers and sisters, with God as our Father, and commanded to love one another as brothers and sisters, and that love defined over and over again, in detail, it is in the direction of God and toward God. It also means that we invade others, lives, hearts and minds and souls on behalf of God in order to move them towards holiness. You know, one of the things that, 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 that's so important in our relationship with one another uh, being unto kingdom realities is, is that we have a, a level of, of understanding, a, a level of intimacy with one another where we understand what's going on in each other's lives in order to, to, to speak the rugged kind of love the rugged commitment kind of love in such a way that sometimes that truth is not something that we really want to hear. I mean, everybody has a truth, has something that they don't want to hear. And sometimes the only way that you're able to hear it is in hearing it from somebody that you know has that rugged commitment. I'm telling you something that's truthful, that might be a little bit painful. I don't mean it to be that way. But I am ruggedly committed to you. I am never going to leave you. And and part of my rugged commitment to you is to make sure that my life invades you on behalf of God, your life invades mine on behalf of God, and that we're moving towards God, and I am sticking with you even in these points of challenge and confrontation in our relationship. I am for you, and I am with you. Think about it in terms of the way that we relate to each other in marriage. I mean, in a proper relationship, that the, uh, a marital relationship, the concern of the husband is the wife's spiritual well-being. The, the the concern, the proper concern of the wife or the husband is his spiritual maturity and health before God, before anything else. And that's why we invade each other's life and to move each other towards God and, and to move in that intimacy in each other's life not just for the the mutual satisfaction of the relational needs that we have, but that intimacy is also about the the spiritual maturing of people in relationship and covenant with one another. It's, it's, It's about moving people towards holiness. It's about taking very, very seriously what Peter writes to the church. And he's quoting Leviticus chapter 19, and he says... You know, God called you to be holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Leviticus 19, be holy because I am holy. Now, when you begin to think about the ramifications and the implications of that, tolerance is not a very good definition of love, is it, or, or very much a, a, a component of love. Patience, yes. Tolerance, You know, if tolerance is the high point of love in relationships in the world, then how do we ever grow and mature, and especially in light of the fellowship, in in the community of faith, inside of the church, inside of the body of Christ, how do we move each other to deeper levels of discipleship if the high point, the high mark of our love to one another is tolerance? What changes that are, are so absolutely needed to be made in people's lives actually get get made if tolerance is the high water mark for love in our relationships it's a rugged commitment to be with and to be for others unto kingdom realities it's a rugged commitment to to be with our spouse. It's a rugged commitment to be with our brothers and sisters through the thick and thin, hard and soft moments of life, through the dark and the light moments of life, through the tragedies and through the triumphs of life in such a way that we're never alone, that we always have people that are pulling for us, but they're pulling for us in the direction of the kingdom of God. Jeff's going to lead us in a song right now. And maybe there are ways that, uh, that our church can, can help you as a disciple of Jesus to grow deeper in your relationship with God, to grow deeper in your relationship with other people. There, there may be questions that you have on your heart. We're here to serve and to help us to become everything that God wants us to be and deems us to be and commands us to be in Scripture. Or it might be that you have never entered into a covenantal relationship with God. You've never entered into that new covenant with God that was established and, 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 and saturated with the sacrificial blood of Jesus and a body that He sacrificed as a substitute for you. And after that describes you tonight, we want you to come and to make that good confession, to say that Jesus is Lord, that you believe that He is the Son of God who died on the cross to save you from your sins and to be baptized as Aloy Ramirez was this morning and to have those sins washed away and to receive the, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life.